This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So it says, beginning in Genesis chapter 1, let's go back to the beginnings. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, folks, stop right there. We usually think of the creation as being the rest of of chapter 1. But it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Period. It's created. It's done. Now, verse 2 tells us something else. Verse 2 is not related to verse 1. None of the rest of chapter 1 is related to verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Period. It's created. Heaven's created. Earth's created. Verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void. The earth was without form and void. Now, the word was is very important because we need to understand something about meanings here, Hebrew meanings. The word was means to exist, to be or become to or to come to pass. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the world and the earth existed. Well, that, that, that's not the proper meaning here, but it's because it's going to describe something about the earth. So it says, and the, wor- the earth became, or the world beca- uh, came to pass. Something about this that he's going to describe is going to tell us about what came to pass. Well, what came to pass? Now, you need to understand, the Bible tells us some things, some, some significant things that might be, the, well, for me, they are, but I want to say it in a, in, a, in a way for people to be able to consider it and decide for themselves. The Bible tells us about an event that could have caused Genesis, the, the, the earth being without form and void that's described in Genesis 1-2. The Bible tells us that, uh, that Satan took a third of the angels and fought against God and God cast him out of heaven into the earth. Now that cataclysmic event could have very well been the thing that caused the earth to be without form and void. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, after sending his disciples out, in his name to go before him, they came back and they said, Master, even the devils are subject unto us in your name. Jesus said in Luke ten eighteen, he said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Well, when did Satan fall as lightning from heaven? Not when they started using his name. Satan fell from lightning as heaven before Genesis 1, 2. Before Genesis 1, 2. Now, in order for you to understand God's plan for man, you've got to understand where Satan was and what his position was. So turn with me over to Ezekiel chapter 28. Notice in verse 11, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying... Here's Ezekiel saying again, here's what God said. Now, what did God say? Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, folks, there was no natural man other than Adam that was in the Eden, the garden of God. And Adam's been dead for hundreds of years by the time this is spoken. So he can't be talking about a natural man. Well, then who's he talking about? Let's keep reading. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. This guy was pretty well decked out. Thou art the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. That means that this being, at least at one time, walked up and down the mountain with God. Again, it's speaking of some high-ranking position to be able to be with God. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. 
Now, there are many different ideas and speculations about what the stones of fire are, but it would certainly indicate that he's a being that has authority over or is unaffected by the things of the earth or the elements of the earth. Verse 15, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. Again, it says he was created. Thou was perfect in thy ways in the day that thou was created until iniquity was found in thee. Until iniquity was found in thee. Now, the Bible says very specifically that God did not create the iniquity in this being. I think you figured out this has got to be Satan. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Merchandise has to do with commerce. So whatever he's in charge of, whatever territory he has, which we're going to find out is the earth, there was a commerce, there was a system of commerce, buying and selling. Very similar, very simple, very well similar in some respect to what we would know of today. Well, that would go along with what we saw in Jeremiah, that the cities were broken down. It sounds like there was something similar to what we experience today taking place. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee. Now, this is God speaking. God said, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. Luke ten eighteen again, Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. See how these things fit together? The Bible wasn't meant to be some mystery that we wouldn't understand. It was meant to be misunderstood or not able to be understood unless you had the life of God on the inside of you where you could understand the Bible. I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Now the midst of the stones of fire seem to have something to do with hell. Because it tells us that's going to be his end. So apparently there was a time where hell did not affect Satan, but... No longer. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy reason, thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. Now this is an interesting term because it indicates to us or implies, I don't, I don't want to say it too strongly, but it implies since it uses the word sanctuary and the same word sanctuary that the Bible uses for meaning the house of God where, where people worship God. It indicates or implies to us that Satan's voice had something to do with leading the, the, whoever's there, leading worship of God. But he perverted that. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Again, this is another word for merchandise or commerce. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, it shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to the ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. And all they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Folks, I want you to understand it tells you how the devil operates and what his end will be. He operates by trying to terrify you. But he won't always. And the people that know him, shall be astonished at him. The reason we'll be astonished is we'll be able to say, and other scriptures say this, are you the guy that caused so much trouble on the earth? You've got to be kidding. Now, there are five things that God said he will do to Satan. God's five I wills. 
Let me go through them again. Verse 16, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. Second one, I will destroy thee, O covering cherub. Verse 17, I will cast thee to the ground. Number four is I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Verse 18, I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Now, why does God say that he's going to do five things to Satan? Because if you'll turn with me now to Isaiah chapter 14, there were, this is God's response to the five things that Satan said, or Lucifer said, that he would do. Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Now, Isaiah's got to be talking by the inspiration of God. How does he know anything about this stuff? He's not going to know anything unless God revealed it to him. And notice here's what God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He said, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Now, son of the morning indicates that there's something special about him. Again, Luke ten eighteen, Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Isaiah said it before Jesus ever told us about it. How art thou fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? Now, folks, this is talking past tense. He was cut down after he weakened the nations. He's not talking about he he was cut down in what he's doing now. It's saying that he did something to some civilization, some, well, I don't know, what other word do you use? some condition, some period of time on the earth, he worked against them and was cut down. Could that be the civilization or whatever Genesis 1-1 means where it says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth before it became without form and void? Well, we have to conclude that it's possible, don't we? I mean, there's nothing to say that it's impossible. We certainly can't say that it's something that happens after the church age because that's not what the Bible tells us the end of the church age will be. So if we know it's not after the church age, following the church age, it tells us there's a seven years of tribulation. Then it tells us of the thousand-year reign of Jesus. Then it tells us of a new heaven and a new earth. There's no desolation from this point forward. So if there's no desolation from this point forward, we've got to look back to before Adam and Eve were on the earth. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. First service is just like, oh my goodness, somebody teaches on healing locally. Healing school is about you knowing what belongs to you as a believer. It makes a difference in someone's life who never hears that. It's pulling out of the Word, teaching on healing, and stirring up your faith to get healed by what the Word says. Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said, now here are the five things that Satan said. For I, for thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. That means he was below heaven. Well, what does the Bible tell us is below heaven? Earth. So he must have been here. 
Second thing he said is, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. What does that mean? That means he had a throne and they were below the stars of God. So where would his throne be? On earth. Third thing he says is, I will, I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north, which means he wasn't sitting there. That's a, a, a reference to the place where God dwells. So he wasn't in heaven. Verse 14, here's his fourth I will. He says, I will ascend above the heights of the cloud, which means he was below the clouds. All these things point to him being on the earth, folks. The fifth thing he said is, I will be like the Most High, which means he wasn't. Even though that he was perfect, he was the fullness of wisdom, he was perfect in beauty, he was covered with all those, decked out with all those precious stones and stuff, he was the anointed cherub that covers his workmanship, the tabrets of his pipes, his voice was such that apparently he led the worship of God. Now, some people go so far as to say he was the worship leader. I don't know if that's what that means or not. But somehow he was in charge just like the king would be in charge of bringing the people before God. So Satan said, his fifth I will is I will be like the most high. Verse 15 Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and that did shake kingdoms? Now that could mean, if we stop right there, that could mean what he's doing today. But, notice it goes further, that made the world a wilderness. Now this is a reference to the without form and void stuff that made the world a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof. Notice how many times the Bible says he destroyed cities? It's not talking about the effect on civilization he's having today. It's talking about something he did to a prior civilization. That's the only possible explanation in my mind. That destroyed the cities thereof and that opened not the house of his prisoners, which means that whatever the civilization was, he had people under his control and he dominated them. So, we've got this situation. We've got the earth without form and void. We've got God finally recreating the earth. I I use the term on purpose, recreating the earth, because he created it in Genesis 1-1. Now he's recreating it to make a habitation for man. And in chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Let us make man in our own image, and let them, mankind, have dominion over the earth. This was not done in some corner that nobody knew about, folks. This was done for all of eternity to see. Satan saw it. The evil spirits saw it. The angels saw it, and the angels spoke about it. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. It says, For unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof he speak. Now he's, he, previously to this, he's saying, he's, uh, I believe it was Paul, but whoever is inspired by the Holy Ghost, to tell about God's plan for man. And he's saying, we're going to judge the angels. Now, folks, it, it makes sense. You don't judge up. We can't be below the angels if we're going to judge the angels. Makes sense, doesn't it? God will judge man according to righteousness or the blood of Jesus because he's over man. Man won't judge God because we can't judge up. And the Bible says we'll judge angels, which means they have to be below us. And that's the point that the writer is making here. Here's what the Holy Ghost is telling us. 
For unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. I want you to understand one of the things that has to do with our authority and our place is God's plan for us to rule over angels. Now, if we're going to rule over angels then, that means we have authority over angels now. Nowhere does the Bible say that once we get to heaven, then we get authority over angels. No, it says we've been made above the angels as it is. The Bible says, King James says, we were made lower than the angels. In Hebrew, in um, Psalm 8, it says that we were made lower than the angels, but the word that's translated angels there is the word Elohim, which means God himself. It means the Trinity, the three in one. Now keep that in mind because of what the angels are going to say. They're going to see creation and tell us about it. It says, for under, under the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak, but one angel in a certain place te- uh, testified, that certain place is Psalm 8, he testified saying, here's the angel speaking at creation saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Now folks, please stop for a second and, and, and think this through with me. That means whatever was here on the earth prior to Genesis 1-2. That means whatever cities that Satan destroyed, whatever fierce anger of God that, that caused the earth to be desolate, that caused it to be without form and void, whatever that situation was, whatever those inhabitants were, whatever the demon spirits might be a result of, wasn't man. Angels are spirit beings, but they're not man. Demons are spirit beings, but they're not man. Don't get the idea that just because something is a spirit being, it has to be in the same class as man. It does not. I think in a lot of cases, in a lot of situations, we fail to recognize the truth of the word that's being revealed to us because we have certain things set in our minds and fixed in our thinking. Just because it's a spirit being doesn't mean it has to be man or it doesn't have to be in the class of man. So the angels who are spirit beings say, what is man that you're mindful of him? Mindful of him means that you would give him such a position. Verse 7, thou madest him a little lower than the angels. This is a a quote from Psalm 8, verse 2, I think it is, where it says, thou madest him a little lower than Elohim. You made him a little lower than God. Now, if the angels were above man when man was created, why would they be saying, well, what does this man think? They'd be saying, oh, you're going to do this thing again. You're going to make some other spirit beings just like you had on the earth before, but they're going to be below us, so what's the big deal? But that's not their position. They're astonished saying, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you would make him a little lower than yourself? You're making him above us. What's up with that, God? Now, remember, they've witnessed what has happened before. They've witnessed what's happened when God gave authority over the earth to Lucifer. That didn't work out real well. Now they're saying, you're going to give authority to man? You made him a little lower than yourself. You crowned him with, you may think we've missed our subject, gotten off track of our subject. We've been talking about the glory of God. Please understand, this is God's plan for man. You crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of your hands. Folks, I want you to understand, God's original plan for man was the glory of God on you. 
We've talked about the glory cloud. We've talked about the presence of God. We've talked about the miraculous things that happened as a result. But God's original plan for man was for his glory to be on and in you. He expected each one of us to be little shining clouds walking through the earth. Thou madest him a little lower than yourself. Literally what it means from the Hebrew. You crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of your hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. In other words, he's saying there's still more to come to our place of authority and that position that we'll have and that time, that, that event that will cause that to take place is the rapture. That's when the last thing, which is death, the final enemy, will once and for all be put underfoot. Now, we know what happened. God created man. He gave him authority. He put his glory, he crowned him with glory and honor. He crowned him with glory and honor. Please keep in mind, the Bible tells us that the glory of God appeared in the Old Testament. Under the Old Covenant, it appeared as a cloud. I believe that that cloud, that brightness of God, encircled Adam and Eve when he made them. I believe they were clothed with his glory. Remember Moses coming down from the mountain, his face was shining, people couldn't look at him, they wanted him to put a bag on his head. He's the only one that didn't know he was shining. Everybody else knew, and everybody's looking away saying, wow, Moses, that's some sunburn you got there. First of all, we're surprised you ever came down from the mountain because of the lightnings and the thunders and all the things that were taking place up there. We didn't think anybody would be able to survive that, and now you come down and you're shining so much that we can't even look at you. So Moses put a veil over his head. I think he missed it. I think he should have forgotten the veil. Now, I understand there's a spiritual application and so forth, but what in the world are you doing something for their comfort for? Let me just say, if I ever start shining like that, forget the veil. <laughs> now, why did Moses shine like that? Because he's seen the glory of God. The glory of God impacted even sinful flesh. Folks, that's what Adam and Eve lost when they sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, by the way, let me, let, me, let me talk a little bit more about man. What is man that you're mindful of him? It's the only creature, it's the only thing that God crea- ever created that he came down to. Everything else talks about going up to God. Man is the only thing that God ever created that he came down to. The Bible says he came down to talk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden, at the, in, the, in the garden in the cool of the day. He came down to man. He didn't say to Adam and Eve, now you're welcome to come to me anytime you want. He came to man. He's presenting himself to man because of the relationship that he's creating in this new being. And the angels are saying, what? You're going to do what? You don't come to us. We come to you and do whatever you say. Now God creates this and God reveals his plan as to be in this loving relationship so that he comes down as a father would to a as a child or a son. And then Adam and Eve fall. Eve is deceived. Adam falls with her. And immediately they know something changes. I believe that's when the light of God's glory went out. Now what does God do? God comes looking for them and they hid themselves. Maybe the saddest verses in the scripture. They heard the voice of God and they hid themselves. Now, if you were a parent 
I'm going to, I'm going to speak to your, those of you that are parents, remember when your kids were young particularly. Those of you that have young kids, you'll be able to relate to this. When your kids are small and they fall, what's your first reaction? You go to them. You want to pick them up. You want to comfort them. If God does that to man in his fallen state, he consumes him. The Bible says God is a consuming fire. The power of God is just as destructive to sin as it is saving for the sinner. If God goes to hug his son and his daughter, they are destroyed. You remember what Romans uh, 3.23 says? For all have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. What happened when they fell? They lost their glory. Satan must have thought he won. Satan must have thought once and for all, I've got it. Now not only do I have their authority, have I taken their authority through deception of on the earth, but now I've robbed God of the one that he wanted. And God can't even go to his children. He finds a way to make a place for them. He provides them animal skins. I have no doubt that that's the first sacrifice that is made, the first offer of blood sacrifice for their sin. That must be where they learned how to make sacrifice because you can't find it in any other place where God said, okay, here's how you do it. But God can't go to it. You're still in Hebrews chapter 2? But here was God's plan. Verse 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. In other words, he took man's place. He left his position as the God in the Godhead to be a little bit below the angels, meaning Elohim, just like man was, to be a little bit lower than the Godhead for the suffering of death. In other words, he took, he left his position in the Godhead and took man's position on the earth for the suffering of death, for this purpose, for the suffering of death. Now, what did Jesus have when he came to the earth as a man? Not as God, but as a man. He was crowned with glory and honor. That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things. For whom the whole earth was created to begin with. And by whom are all things. The earth was created by him as well. He's the one that carried out the revealing of God's plan with the work of the Holy Spirit, in bringing, what's his purpose for all that? In bringing many sons unto, what's the next word? To bring many sons unto glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Folks, here's what I want to leave you with this morning, and I want to expand on this in the weeks to come. You need to understand that just as we want to magnify and just as we want to recognize and keep our mind open to the presence of God coming in upon us as a group and in a congregation and so forth, the cloud of glory and and God being able to do and the Holy Spirit being able to, to free to move in any way He wants to move, you need to realize you were saved unto glory. The whole purpose for Jesus' coming was to restore glory and honor to man. Jesus didn't come to get it for himself. He came to bring it for you. Jesus came to the earth to bring the Holy Spirit to us so that he could live in us and that we could be 
just like He is in this world. Come learn about God's glorious plan at Foothill Family Church. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. In healing school, to me, you learn, first off, that healing is for you. I had a healing myself. Pastor Mike does not insist that he lay hands on you, that you have authority through the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he did. And so I accepted that. Come visit Healing School, where you can hear and be healed. Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.